Hey guys, welcome back to the Moontime Munchies podcast. I am your host, Morgan Daly, and today's episode is called Avoidant Personality Disorder. So let's dive into what that means and why we're talking about it. I stumbled across some information about avoidant personality disorder recently, and because it hits so close to home, I wanted to learn more about what it entails and the healthy coping mechanisms to living with it. I want to start by saying that self-diagnoses are valid. I personally have spent over a decade learning psychology, studying my own mind, and helping others, so even though I do not have a title in the field or a means of officially diagnosing myself, I live with my brain every day, and I have learned quite a bit about it. If you are experiencing any of these symptoms, however, I strongly urge you to find a mental health professional, even if you think that you are quote-unquote fine or relate to anything I say in this episode or any other. There should be no shame in wanting better for yourself, and often we can't even see the full scope of our own limitations. The mental health community can be tricky. No one knows everything about the mind. There are people who are in it for the wrong reasons or have a need for better skills themselves. The person you meet first might not specialize in your circumstances, or you may simply not mesh as people. But taking that action towards doing better by yourself is the first step to all evolution, becoming the kind of person you want to be in the world. It is not yet known what causes avoidant personality disorder. It seems to be a combination of genetic and environmental influences. Personally, I noticed an extreme avoidance of confrontation from many of my genetic relatives, to the point where only I would stand up for injustices, simply because my desire to do what was right was stronger than this overwhelming fear. However, I also experienced the most targeted abusive circumstances. Most of my trauma was centered around isolation, extreme gaslighting, and a fear about self-worth and being of service to others. This cocktail seems to be the most textbook list of things that coincide with avoidant personality disorder. I spent most of my life simply recovering from traumatic experiences and understanding how it had rewired my brain and how that was in direct opposition to the expected functioning of neurotypicals. At 20 years old, in the beginning of 2020, after about three decades worth of work, I was actually prepared to begin being a person in the world. It was like watching a baby deer learn to walk. It was so awkward and uncomfortable, but beautiful in its lack of experience for those with the right perspective. (laughs) I got my first apartment with some assistance from one of the more abusive relationships I had as a child, trying to manipulate their way back into my life. But hey, it was a step closer to the independence that I needed, and it meant that I had somewhere to build from. I got my driver's license, I got a job that didn't come from spending my childhood earning a position in my family friend's business. By working catering jobs, to be clear. And I made some friends as an adult in the world with my own social skills. Though these people were in their different place in their mental, emotional evolution and wanted different things than I, at this time, I was proud nonetheless. After crippling anxiety, stomach aches, every day at an absolutely soul-crushing corporate job that robbed me of all of my spoons... (laughs) 
listen to my soon-to-be-released episodes on ADHD to know more about spoon theory, I quit. I did so for many reasons, but mostly I wasn't happy, and someone who loved themselves would not make themselves that miserable every day. I found it funny that I had manifested my driver's license after a year or so of working on it, only once I finally gave up resistance against it. I did not trust myself to drive a weapon, essentially. Next was the self-limiting belief between me and a car, which was that being driven places was one of the only obligations my loved ones maintained, and only sometimes. So even though I felt like a burden most of the time, many of my favorite memories of singing and being listened to or happy were during long car rides as a child. I didn't want to give up being dependent because that was the only time I felt worthy of affection and my heart ached for that every moment of every day. I manifested that new job with the company that I dreamt of working with since I was a little girl, but the dynamic of my particular position was just like that of school or the business I grew up with. It lacked communication, compassion, understanding, empathy, and accommodations. I realized I still held tight to the self-limiting belief that I had to prove myself worthy, so despite being the kindest, most hardworking, and smartest person in the room, the majority of the time, I was consistently ridiculed and belittled. It got better once I realized this, and when I realized that building my own projects would be more aligned action than this, and then trying to climb some ladder in someone else's behalf for something that I had very few connections to what I actually wanted to do within, I left. That was the most ADHD way to say that sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> like the, the grammar and the butchered nature of it. <laughs> it's not how I wrote it, but that's how I read it. <laughs> okay. To continue, I also manifested a large, beautiful apartment, but in a climate that makes me uncomfortable and next to family that I don't have the most happy or fulfilling relationships with. My self-limiting belief here was that I needed someone to take care of certain things for me. In my isolation-based abuse, I was taught very little about the world and gaslit about the few things I understood for myself. So despite having a high IQ and work ethic, I always felt like I was lacking because I was built to simultaneously be of service to others but dependent on them for survival so that I could never completely cut them off. I admired so many performers who did have the classes and the family supporting them and the networking opportunities and the emotional encouragement or who have just been in it decades longer than me. So I have to catch myself when I'm fearing that what I bring to the table is simply not enough. Not only from receiving that message through abuse since infancy, but by having very few of the same experiences as most people. I never watched the same movies or read the same books. I didn't go to school all the same years or honestly just weird scheduling and locations. And I went to a performing arts high school. I didn't go to prom or football games. I didn't date or have many friends. I didn't do extracurriculars, and those are all just the more mundane things. 
my experience was trauma and isolation and then recovery and isolation. So as I try to build my independence, I have to sit with these self-limiting beliefs that arise because when you spend over a decade doing a third a lifetime's worth of work, eventually you realize that sticking to the beliefs and fears that you were taught keep you trapped there forever. Your trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Your life is a reflection of what you think. Become aware of what you've been taught to think. Make modifications free from shame. Become responsible for your reality. Putting it all in this context was really helpful to remind myself when it's hard to take the next step that I am not behind. When I have pressure from my loved ones telling me to settle and I don't personally understand how I'm going to get to where my favorite singers in their 30s with a whole team are or where my favorite actors in their 40s with a whole team are, it's helped me to remember that I am capable and I'm disciplined. And just because I chose to spend my early life establishing a stronger foundation does not mean that I'm behind. I am more capable and equipped than anyone else I have ever known except maybe my best friend. There was a time when I didn't think any of the things that I've achieved today would have been possible. There was a time when I wasn't aware of my own thoughts, when I was completely terrified of people, when I couldn't share relatable experiences, when I couldn't even stay mentally present in my own reality. I never thought I would be so mindful, so content, so articulate or vulnerable. These people we put on pedestals are, for the most part, not handed their opportunities. They are people who know better than to fear. They are people with far fewer self-limiting beliefs on what they are capable of. They are people with the discipline to try every day, and where there is resistance, they are wise enough to reassess. I know without the work that I have done, I wouldn't be a functioning member of society, never mind building something to support myself and make a safe space for others. I know the strength, the determination, the positivity, the work ethic I have and how deeply and profoundly I care. I know what I bring to the table. So while I may have the elders in my life anxious for my well-being and wonder why I have not followed suit with a beater car and a safe bet boyfriend in a shitty job and apartment, I know that I have done the decades of work that they cannot and would not do for themselves. While that can be incredibly isolating, and I know that they'll never fully have the capacity to understand me or anything I do, It's also incredibly rewarding, and it has grounded so much faith within myself for myself. I'm not saying that it wasn't absolutely and desperately necessary, nor would I say that it wasn't anything less than excruciatingly challenging. I'm saying that despite the circumstances, lack of resources, and self-limiting beliefs, I've created something grounded in faith, not fear. That by doing this work, I can walk in alignment, I can take action that means something, that satisfies my soul and is necessary in the world. How does this relate to the possible diagnosis of avoidant personality disorder? Well... 
Through this trauma, I had many false diagnoses and manipulations done to portray me as more ill than I was and essentially drug me and make me more dependent. When I met my last therapist, who not only specialized in reparenting and had no influence whatsoever from my relatives and genuinely cared about me and my recovery. Side note, I am forever grateful for you. I would not be the person I am today. Never mind a happy person doing important things without you. Thank you for seeing me as I am and what I could be. But anyway, <laughs> then I was correctly diagnosed with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder with symptomatic and reversible depression and anxiety, along with ADHD. That didn't seem as much of a hindrance on my life at the time because my brain just found ways to cope in a neurotypical world with much bigger traumas on my plate. However, as a healed person trying to manage myself and my business, I can confidently say that I experienced several of my symptoms of ADHD, and there was a lot of work to be done there as well when this time and space was made. But more on that in my episodes actually about ADHD. Once I moved away and continued my studies on my own, I found my symptomatic depression fade the more that I took aligned action and faced my self-limiting subconscious programming, but my anxiety stayed stubborn. Before I left, my therapist said how quickly I understood the psychological concepts in general, paired with my unrelenting compassion for humanity, I should look into getting a degree in helping others myself. I personally feel more guided to perform as a career and help people on a broader scale than having to emotionally digest interpersonal relationships with people who may take decades to do the work actually required to get better. But this comment did have me reassess a note that she made towards me towards the very end of our time. She made the assessment that I was attaching to my anxiety, that I was holding on to the discomfort as an excuse not to do what was scaring me. Though at times she knew my mind better than I did, especially in the beginning when I was coming down from deep protective stories and escapist coping mechanisms and everything was just foggy and overwhelming to see straight, this did not sit right all of these years later and all of this work later. I knew that she was right fundamentally, but I also had learned that I was incredibly stubborn. I work and I wait and I fight for what's right and the things that I love or I want bad enough. Nothing has stopped me. There have been self-limiting beliefs and resistance when I am faced with the universe mirroring back my own stubborn nature, but I have not been stopped. Finding myself choosing to not act when I could go to that audition or take that class or meet those people or network there meant that there was a deeper resistance causing these debilitating emotions and keeping me from taking action aligned with who I wanted to be. And I'm talking like bad, like my whole torso would shake and I would sweat through clothes and even had some IBS symptoms in a few situations where my body was like, get me the fuck out of here. But despite my family's crippling fear for confrontation, I never cowered away from it. I didn't particularly like it, and I had to choose my battles with a narcissistic abuser. But when I felt strongly enough about anything, I could never be stopped 
I even remember my father's commentary when I was in third grade that I very well could have been the bully in many situations, but I always chose to stand up for what was just and fair. I have never shied away from making the hard decisions when they were the right thing to do. Hell, I chose to leave my own mother for over six years when I was 14 years old and coped with the repercussions of making that healthy choice on the behalf of both of us for the rest of my life. I talk more about my dad seeing me as I am when others weren't able to in the episode The Value of Character to be released in the future, but another quote from him that really sums up the way that I move about the world is when he told me that most people are who they are because of their circumstances, and I am who I am in spite of them. I talk in several episodes about learning about my ADHD. Once I quit my job, I actually had to start managing myself and my business ideas without any understanding on how to do that in a way that didn't work in resistance to my neurodivergent mind. But after three months of understanding my mind in that manner and producing a few projects here and there, I stumbled across information about AVPD early in the new year, trying to better understand my resistance. As I mentioned Many times before, everything in this world works in terms of energy. It is all an energy exchange, and how you feel is the charge of the situation, the frequency in which you are operating in. If you are unhappy in a relationship, it is mirroring the energy that you are bringing to the table. And you can't change others, so when you begin to take aligned action, those who don't change as well will begin to drift away naturally. So why are these tangible steps towards who I knew I was supposed to be in the world so hard for me to make? Because just like operating with ADHD in a neurotypical world, I was trying to quote unquote power through or force social dynamics that I speak, oh gosh, can't speak, that I experience drastically different than most people. Most neurodivergents already experience sensory sensitivity and rejection sensitivity dysphoria, and anxiety is a extremely, it's extremely, it's extremely, it's an extremely common trait for those with ADHD, but I wasn't allowing for the truth of inherently having a brain that's symptomatic experience of the world is that much more vivid and overwhelming than in neurotypicals. I also had trauma that had me completely isolated from society the majority of my life and told me on a subconscious level that the relationships I made were to be feared and that people didn't inherently like me and that I was only of service to them and I wasn't worthy of affection. So... Just as I learned how to be productive around my low spoons days or my hyperfixation, I needed to learn how to feel safe in my vulnerability and not work in opposition to my own mind. I had such a hard time putting myself out there because I was trying to force against resistance and the world was showing me opposition just as stubborn as I was. I have come far enough in a lifetime of tearing down faulty foundations and rebuilding something in the truth of who I am and the way that the world actually works that nature cannot be rushed and nothing worth having or that is even remotely structurally sound can be BS'd. 
despite having to take quite a bit of Tylenol the weeks before this self-realization in early January due to a nasty case of COVID. At the same time, I experienced a spiritual ascension flu and my period and followed up by a vocal nodule, which is kind of a singer's worst nightmare. I am relatively opposed to unnecessary pharmaceuticals due to my own traumatic experiences with them. Please take your meds and listen to doctors that actually know you and have your best interest at heart. But I just never personally needed what I was given and I almost died. So anyway, that leads me to prefer learning as much as I can about my own mind and body and finding ways to accommodate it instead of forcing into a neurotypical mold. The truth of the matter is there is no perfect brain. We simply build our society under the incorrect assumption that we all had the same one. I like working with my mind and not limiting it in any way because it allows for the most profound understanding and creativity. It's a different and much-needed perspective in the world. This is why neurodivergence are among the majority of people who make the most substantial difference in human history and evolution. We experience the world so differently that when we find a problem that needs fixing or a niche in the market, we absolutely have to do something about it. It's a visceral experience. First, I had to understand this disorder. For example, how does it differ from social anxiety? Well, the answer to that is that it affects almost all areas of life, and it often has subsequent symptoms. This was true for me as well, similar to how those with ADHD would see something as simple as taking the trash out to require just as much energy and discipline to initiate as taking the SATs, for example, I found equal resistance and crippling social anxiety in the ideas of going down the street to the local restaurant with only one other elderly couple in it as I did flying across the country to audition for a blockbuster movie. My issue lied not in the amount of vulnerability required of me because in recovering from trauma, I had learned quite a deal of self-worth through several years of breaking down self-limiting beliefs about my inherent worthiness for human connection. My resistance lied in feeling worthy of reciprocation. I was able to be authentic and vulnerable to others because I never wanted anyone to feel as isolated or painfully alone as I had in life. But I had yet to learn to believe that I could be worthy of reciprocating such affection, admiration, or assistance in any way. Learning where your self-limiting beliefs lie, especially each layer of them as you begin to slowly allow yourself to believe new things, doesn't mean that the interactions or situations magically become easier. You simply believe something more true to your aligned self which makes taking the action easier. And you can sustain a better quality and quantity of action. You get stronger. The situation doesn't get any less challenging. So there are times where your favorite celebrities have anxiety attacks. There are days where it hurts to take the little steps, but many of them have spent 20, 30 years learning who they wanted to be and what stood between that reality and the one that they found themselves in and what little boring challenges could they do every single day to align those two timelines. 
I also find the more you learn about people and how the world works, the more clearly you see the giant web of human connection, understanding and creation within human consciousness. I have thought for so long that I was absolutely clueless and there was these magical truths that would make being an adult easier. But the reality is it's all just energy. It's confidence. There's a lot of adults out there settling out of fear. There's a lot of people in power that aren't really intelligent or knowledgeable. As a kid, you just think that everyone knows something you don't, especially when you're isolated from people and constantly told that what you think and believe is wrong. But the more I took the time to truly understand myself, the human mind, and the world around me, the more I realized it's a lot simpler than we think it is. We settle out of the fear of the chaos and therefore spend our lifetimes out of alignment and of service to things that we are not meant to give our life source energy to. If we face our fears and dive into the abyss, we'll realize that it's a pile of pillows. There is a relatively mappable pattern to the divine chaos of the universe. We don't need to live in fear. Breathe. I promise that if you are trying your best, nothing living in a divine manner will ever ask more of you. It might take time, but in hindsight, you'll see just how quickly that time really did go because you realize you've accomplished far more than you ever imagined possible and you realize just how much you were able to influence the world around you as well. I look for ways to work with my brain, to be accommodating. I learn how I feel and how it differs from those around me. I've learned my boundaries and my triggers. I learned what beliefs... I held that limited me and what I needed to feel more safe and capable in doing what I needed to do. AVPD is pervasive and enduring, but my desire for love and connection far outweighed the limitations of my protective ego or the fear narrative that it subscribed to. Having most of my experience in cognitive behavioral therapy, I knew that there was a way better way to flow around the borders of my comfort zone once I addressed these differences and how to best move forward with them. The key to addressing your limitations is to do so without shame and without force. Allow all the parts of yourself to have a seat at the table because they are all trying to do what they believe is best for you. Having no need personally for medication, having my challenges mostly lie in subconscious programming and not a hormonal or chemical imbalance of the brain, would often leave therapy or support groups as an alternative for most people. Though I did leave therapy perhaps a year or so prematurely in order to move in 2020, and I do recommend therapy for everyone, my therapist did have faith in the progress that I had made in the discipline that I had showed to continue my pro- There's a dog barking. Um, <laughs> despite it now being alone. It was a bit disorienting, and I'm sure the continuation of my healing over the past two years would have unfolded differently if I was able to observe the entirety of my reality reflected back at me or how it made me feel and why I made the choices I did. But I got a more expansive view the more that I depended on myself for it. 
Though I may return to therapy someday, I also know myself to be fully committed in my projects, and it was time for me to move from the healing and mending of foundations and begin building upon them. This investment was another reason I knew I couldn't juggle a part-time job. I care too much for what I do to reserve my energy for multiple things unless they already are compatible. For example, right now I'm writing and producing this podcast, albums, and The Divine Diaries, which is a video diary series that I will release on my personal channel eventually. But they all have to do with learning about myself, helping others, and writing and creating. I simply do not have the spoons to switch gears so often, especially if the task is out of alignment with my purpose. Side note, I feel like it's also greatly underestimated just how much work it takes to produce content. <laughs> the like the amount of like writing and photos and videos and shooting and editing and promo and whew, that's just scratching the surface. There's also like I also have like years of work constantly being worked on. There are projects that are yet to be released and yet to be released for years. Like the things that I'm doing, most people who are doing them successfully right now have a 20 person team. So I got enough on my plate than to add on some extra jobs, but thank you. <laughs> this lack of traditional options left a fine space between discipline and space for error, where I must honestly observe and assess my actions without shame or guilt attachments, ask why I do them, and modify them better to serve what I am trying to accomplish. This is unconditionally loving yourself, the balance between allowing yourself to be who you are and not allowing excuses or harmful behavior, the highest form of self-discipline, which I'm far from mastering, to be clear. I've found that self-assessments are helpful, especially with ADHD, where even things like motivation or emotions are out of sight, out of mind. This means that if I do not see every day the habits and behaviors that motivate me or make me excited to live, I will forget that they exist. Self-assessments allow me to reflect on what actions I took and why, how challenging they were, how did I feel accomplishing them. It has also helped me filming The Divine Diaries. A video diary is not just a creative outlet, but a means of remembering what I did and thought and felt a day or year prior. Another healthy coping mechanism that has assisted me a lot was meditation. As I dive deeper into why our brains hate meditation in a, another podcast episode, but I find it humorous that the amount of resistance I've had to it is in direct parallel to what I'm learning about its benefits and downloads that I'm getting spiritually to just do it more. I've mentioned before that... Meditation can be exceedingly difficult for those with ADHD due to its assumed boring nature, but there are always ways to quiet and sit with the mind, and it benefits all types of minds. So that's really it 
For you, it may not be, but listening to my mind and body, bringing in tools that make challenging things more palatable, such as romanticizing your life, having the discipline to try and fail and push my boundaries in a way that still feels safe, being able to sit with my progress and how I feel and make modifications, meditating and finding healthy coping mechanisms for generalized anxiety, and finding practices of mindfulness, detaching from the fears and doubts of the past, detaching from my desperate attempts to control how things come to pass out of fear, and simply sit with the here and now, and finally focus on what I can do right now that would feel truly good, that will make me deeply happy. Those are all of my tools and advice. So what would light me up on a soul level? Sometimes it's writing an album, and sometimes it's eating a popsicle. Actually incorporating these practices, as well as simply learning about how my brain differs, has really helped me. So whether I have avoidant personality disorder or generalized anxiety disorder or simply some intense symptoms of my already diagnosed ADHD and PTSD, doesn't really matter to me. Because in learning about this mental health condition, it had helped me to better understand how my own mind works and how to work with it. As always, these have been my thoughts on some things. I'd love to hear your perspective. My name is Morgan Daly, and I'm on most platforms. Be kind, be mindful, and have a good day on purpose.